New York Jets have finalized their initial 53-man roster and have already made some changes. Uh, a couple rumors that we're going to put to bed that just seem a little bit too out of left field for even the most optimistic Jets fans, and a couple other rumors going on in week zero of the NFL. What's going on, Jets fans? Welcome to another edition of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Chris Schubert, back again. First episode, not doing the summer ranking series, Chris, and I feel a little weird. I'm like lost. I don't know what direction to go, but we have tons of content to break down, tons of news. How are we doing tonight? Doing well. There's normally prep work that goes into putting together the shows when we're doing the summer ranking series, and there wasn't that prep for this show. Like We have a rundown. We have the topics that we're going to talk about, but when doing the summer ranking series, you got to sit down. You got to do your rankings. There wasn't that. So yes, I understand the feeling of like, oh, did I forget to do something this week? Did I forget to? But no, we're here. 53-man roster is done. We can react to that. Uh, we are getting closer and closer to the start of the season. It's about to be September tomorrow, which means week one right around the corner. So yeah, very, very exciting times. Yeah, uh, every week I do a notes for the pod, and the past few months it's been many, many pages of notes, and this time it's only two, and it's really just a list of all the players on the roster. So a, a, a nice little ease into the week because we have no football. Obviously this weekend it's week zero, like I mentioned. Um, we have a game next next Monday, so we still have some time to really – take a deep breath and we're just going to go over the roster. Um, like I said, initial 53 man roster, not a final 53 man roster. We're not going to see a final product, you know, still for a couple days yet. They've already made some changes. Obviously nobody can project a backdoor agreement with uh, Thomas Morstead to cut him and then bring him back two days later when they put somebody on IR. So unfortunately no Jets fan got their prediction right. But just before we dig into each position, is there any spot that really made you go, wow, why did the Jets do this and keep this player or not keep this player? No, I, I mean, I think overall it kind of is in line with everything that we were discussing. Um, look, it, it's it's almost impossible to predict those backroom deals with those veterans. It's easy to see that it's a possibility, right? I mean, this is how you circumvent the IR spot and how you're able to do certain things to maneuver your roster around. And so everybody knows it's a possibility, but in order to make my prediction, I'm not going to come out and say, you know what I think the Jets are going to do? They're going to actually cut Thomas Morstead because they have a backroom deal with him and then they're going to sign him back. Like, I'm I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to go out and make that prediction here when doing the 53. I would rather put him on the 53 and then be wrong the way that I am than to go out on a limb and say that they're going to do some you know, roster maneuverability. Um, I, if there's something surprising, I know you've got the full screen of the roster. Could you pull it up for me just so I can see it? Because I think Absolutely. this is the biggest takeaway, but I just want to make sure I'm not missing anything before I say what I'm going to say out loud. Yeah, okay, I'll go there. Do you find it surprising that they kept as many linebackers as they did? I find it surprising that they went with the group that they did. Yes, I went back and forth so many times with my 53-man projection, keeping four linebackers, keeping five safeties to supplement instead. I had Trey Dean on my final projection. I thought he was going to be the fifth safety to make it, and they were only going to keep four. I thought Zaire Barnes was going to be the cutoff. Chaz Surratt had a great preseason. Obviously, Rob Sala loves him. We saw from the very first episode of Hard Knocks, and I, he was the guy. He was the borderline guy for me. I was surprised that they made it. But once I found out Dean wasn't making it, I felt a little bit stronger that somebody was going to make it in that linebacker room. Chaz Surratt is a nice guy. I mean, he's a good player. Can't stay healthy. That's one of the things Sala said. But he does have starter capabilities. Those were the words he used. Um, I know there's the pipe dream that he could be the emergency quarterback three because he had a better college resume than Tim Boyle, who made our practice squad. But I, yeah. 
at the end of the day, I was a little surprised, but I'd still personally like to have Trey Dean over Chaz Surratt, but that was really my only issue. And like we're talking about player 50 of 53, so not too terribly concerned there. But yeah, a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I, I'm not saying it in a negative way. I'm just, think, I'm just saying that that's kind of my takeaway is that that was one of the groups that we really kind of sat down and tried to figure out what we thought they were thinking when it came to who was going to make the team in that group. I think the other shocking takeaway, uh, Dylan, is just how much of a of – a lock it seemed that the group of gibson brownlee and charles were to making this team like it did like they just were it just felt like they were clear locks and again i'm gonna be the the negative nancy that i tend to be on this show so i'm, I'm waiting for the hate comments to just queue up uh there in the live show but i don't like this wide receiver group it's just not it's when you look at it when you physically look at it the way that it is presented to us here on this depth chart garrett wilson Alan Lazard, and then a whole lot that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. And so I'm sorry, I'm going to continue to beat that drum until I see this team make any attempt to address it because I think it is a major, major hole on this football team right now. Yeah, and we'll just list all the names right here, wide receiver. They kept seven. The biggest surprise to me on the entire thing was probably that they kept seven. I thought six was even a stretch. But yes, you have Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Mecole Hardman, and then UDFA, Xavier Gibson and Jason Brownlee, and last year's UDFA, Irv Charles. And I understand, I, I'm probably going to sound a bit of a hypocrite on my own show, but I've always preached, go get the young upside player instead of an older aging veteran who might be further along with a higher ceiling right now. But when I look at this team and the win now window that they've created, you can't be one injury away right. from having to play Jason Brownlee. That makes me really nervous. And if, if, if Xavier Gibson beats out Miko Hardman for the return spot, I'm okay with that. That's fine. That's, you know, manageable. It's not like it's a huge role. Don't get me wrong, but it's not every single offensive snap. If an injury occurs, Jason Brownlee, I, kn I know everybody loved him all summer long and he's a good player. He's a fine player. He cannot separate. That's why his contested catch rate is so high. He can only contested catch because he can't separate. Unfortunately, he has to, you know, be on the team. I, I had Malik Taylor on my final projection with Xavier Gibson, only keeping six. I will say, though, Randall Cobb with that blindside block, I know they like to joke that he went back to 2014 with that hit when it was yeah. when it was legal. I was like, hey, if we could even get a sliver of 2014 Cobb, I went back and looked at his stats. That was the career year for Randall Cobb. Stats for Randall Cobb, yeah. 91 receptions, 1,287 yards, and 12 touchdowns. This dude was just spazzing out in 2014. Obviously, it's 10 years ago, and this isn't Randall Cobb that you're getting now. He's still going to have a big role on this team, unfortunately, for those who don't really like it. He's probably your backup perimeter guy like behind Garrett Wilson. That's how I have it in the depth chart. I'll pull it back up. For those watching on YouTube, you can see the entire 53 and the practice squad. And I have... Garrett Wilson and then Randall Cobb as the backup. And then on the other side, Alan Lazard and Jason Brownlee. So that makes me really nervous. I don't mind the top line guys. I think you can still improve, but the backups really make me nervous when they have to play an impactful role. I, I think the clear takeaway here for me, at least is if they're not going to make another addition to this wide receiver room, it just means they are going to utilize the tight ends a lot more 
and they're going to mm -hmm. be very, very creative in the way that they use them. Th that That's just the simple answer, right? You've got Tyler Conklin, you got C.J. Ozoma. They're going to be major pass catchers in this offense. And so I, I just think that's where the increase in the workload comes in. Now, we are eight-plus minutes into this show, and I feel a personal responsibility to you, to myself, to the listeners of this program. we got to talk about how you were right, I was incorrect, Michael Carter, the last running back to make this team, uh, Zonovan Knight gone. Now, I will tell you, it's not all sour grapes for me over here because mm -hmm. he ends up on a team that I'm going to be very excited to root for him for because he goes to the Detroit Lions. So I'm very, very excited to see what potentially could come of that situation uh, for him if he gets an opportunity in that Ben Johnson offense. That is very, very exciting to me. Now, it's a tough, tough, tough uphill battle. They've got Jameer mm -hmm. Gibbs. They've got David Montgomery. Those two guys are going to carry a majority of the workload. But if there's injury, if there's a spot that opens up, it would be really, really interesting to see Zonovan Knight get an opportunity in that offense. So if there was a spot that I could pick, handpick for him to land, as to, to, to potentially get some opportunities, being in Detroit with Ben Johnson in that offense is something that excites me. Well, I appreciate you being a good guy because I wasn't going to, you know, oh, take you the have low to. hanging fruit of oh, it. You have to. It's, I agree. Yeah, you have if to. If I make a it. prediction like that and I'm very, very wrong, you have to own up to it. So I am owning mm -hmm. up to the fact that for the entire offseason, I thought Donovan Knight was going to make this team over Michael Carter. That did not ultimately happen. This team is carrying four running backs, they've got and a, a practice squad. And a fullback. I told now. Listen, I told you they were going to carry a fullback. I was yes. on the record with we were, that. Yeah, yep. A, a practice squad running back who I, I have some um, fam, uh, familiarity with, being an ASU running back, being able to see him play. Uh, a nice depth option in case of injury. Him being promoted from the practice squad. So there, there's some exciting things there as well. But I think overall, just a, a to kind of put a bow on this 53 man conversation, there wasn't a ton of stuff that was totally up in the air, right? Everything was had no. felt kind of settled and it landed kind of where we all thought it was going to land. Exactly. I think my biggest gripe is that trading didn't make it. Um, obviously Ashton Davis, I've mentioned it. The coaches speak highly of him. He has a role on every single special teams unit, you know, punt team, uh, kick team, punt return, kick return, every single one he's out there for it. So he has a clear defined role. Obviously trading does have that, younger upside, more appealing, you know, look to him. I'm just glad that he made it back to the practice squad. As far as Bam Knight, I don't know. I, I don't want to, you know, go too long on the Detroit Lions, but he could be a running back too. I'm not really that in love with David oh, Montgomery, but I speak, love Jameer Gibbs. Speak on the David Montgomery. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad backer and, you know, he's a number, he's a two, like an RB two or whatever, you know, but Jameer Gibbs and Zonovan Knight sounds like a pretty good duo. So excited for him. I'm glad that he had a quick opportunity, a quick turnaround. Um, I'm glad we don't have to play him. I felt like it was just inevitable when I saw that Jeff Wilson, I believe got hurt for the, the dolphins that we were just going to see Zonovan Knight right there or in Buffalo with that, you know, group of guys that I have first in the, in the division before Dalvin cook. And you had last in the division before Dalvin cook. Um, but yeah, I think it's a uh, pretty chalk. I want to say offensive and defensive line chalk. They kept 10 and 10. They obviously put Carter Warren on short-term IR to bring back Thomas Morstead. They also put Kenny Yeboah on short-term IR. So they are currently only carrying three tight ends, but with the fullback, I feel like that's kind of, you know, the, the trade-off there is you can't have four tight ends four running backs and a fullback. That's just kind of a lot. So they go heavy with wide receiver, which is something I said they weren't going to do because I thought Nathaniel Hackett loved tight ends and running backs a lot more. But it looks like as long as there's health in the wide receiver room, 
we won't have to depend on the tight ends because uh, if you listen to last week's show, I'm a little bit lower on the tight ends, although, although I do think they can be good. I just feel like Rodgers is going to bring the best out of them, but what does that best look like? I'm excited for Ruckert, but other than that, the room kind of makes me nervous. Only nine healthy offensive linemen, which I thought was an interesting thing as well. When we were going through this process, I think we thought it would ultimately get to 10. Um, they mm-hmm. didn't. They just went with nine. Uh, and Carter Warren, like you mentioned, going on the short-term IR. Can we talk about the practice squad? I think there are four notable names here on the practice squad that I'm going to be keeping an eye on because I think there are four players that either have long-term potential or are names to keep an eye on if an injury occurs to be elevated rather quickly. And so I'll share yeah, those I- four names with you. Absolutely. Uh, Zach Koontz at tight ends, a long-term play for the Jets. He always was, right? An yep. injury could elevate him to being a starter, but he's an athletic player that they view more in the long term. He does have a far way to go. They drafted him on pure athleticism. That's one of the names to keep an eye on. Xavier Valade, who we've already mentioned. Again, if there's any injury to any of those four running backs, Valade is good enough to be elevated right away and to be a part of the depth in that room. So that's player number two. Tanzel Smart is a player to keep an eye on. Again, if there's any injury to that defensive line, he is the first man up. And the guy that you thought was going to make this team in Trey Dean, those are the four players that I have soft-circled as I think they long-term could have a fit in the case of Zach Kuntz, but three players in Valade, Smart, and Trey Dean that I think are on the short list. If a roster spot opens up, those players could be called on pretty quickly. Yeah, um, I joked in my head, and I didn't put it out on Twitter because I didn't want to be a negative person, but I feel like everybody was so worried about Denzel on this team, and nobody was talking about Tanzel. Wow. And I felt like I was like that pushing been an that excellent train. Tweet. That would have been an excellent tweet. I was just pushing tweet. that train for Tanzel because he, like, when I hear Zell, I think a smart. I don't think a mim. So I'm so glad that he at least came back to the practice squad. This is his fourth year retained on the practice squad. I've been pushing for this guy. Uh, last year, I feel like was the tip of the like the the peak with Michael Clemens in the interior against the third and fourth string offensive guards in the preseason. They just every second, third down, they were just wreaking havoc. Your offense wasn't going anywhere, and that's why I think we went three and one or. 3-0 and in the preseason last year. So there's a reason that we were so good in the back half of those games, and it was Tanzel Smart. Uh, Zach Koontz, yeah, you have to keep him. I thought he was the the guy that they were going to keep over Yeboa. I was wrong on that one. I just felt like with his, you know, RAS score, his unicorn abilities, uh, the position scarcity of tight end, I just felt like you were not going to get him back on the practice squad. Obviously, they know more than I do. Uh, Xavier Valade, you said it, you kind of cover him, uh, being an ASU guy, you've watched him up close. I feel like he has a good amount of speed and he's could, you know, make a difference, you know, uh, God forbid Dalvin cook, Brees Hall, get hurt your speed guys. That could be a guy that steps up, not going to, you know, make a huge impact, but somebody you could get excited for. I just wanted to note one of the most recent guys they signed offensive tackle, Ryan Swoboda. He was a UDFA this year who was signed by Detroit and then waived. This dude weighed in at 325 pounds, but he is six nine and a half. That is just absolutely ridiculous. So between him, Makai, Zach Koontz, like you just have trees up front. Yep. So pretty exciting. Uh, they did bring back uh, Jalen Holmes, defensive lineman, who they uh, had during the preseason. He had two t- uh, sacks against Tampa Bay. Um, a couple other names uh, on the defense. They bring back veteran Sam McGuavin. Caleb Johnson, and then Mercilano McCreary-Ball is apparently somebody that could be a name. 
at linebacker for us, a uh, bit undersized at six foot 215, but spent all of last year on the practice squad for the San Francisco 49ers and seemed to be ruffling a little feathers with fans uh, out in the Bay that they wanted this guy around and they were pretty sad that he's not on the team any longer. So I always think it's interesting how many guys they pull from, you know, past places of our coaches and they got two in San Fran, Jason Poe, offensive lineman, and then McCreary ball. So just a bunch of guys to look out for. I will say though, Tyreek Jones, the safety out of Boise state. I feel like this is the guy when I was watching JL Skinner, I was just like, just give me this guy instead. Cause I wasn't very high on JL Skinner and he ended up not, you know, I think he was a fifth or sixth round pick had an injury. So he wasn't, you know, too special of a, a draft pick or anything, but I just felt like, if you're going to get that guy like Skinner in the fifth, sixth round, you could just get Tyreek Jones. And he ended up going undrafted. So we get him. He was originally signed by Tennessee and let go. So just a couple names to watch out for. But overall, it's just the depth really makes me happy. I feel like this is uh, I, I don't know exact your exact age, but you look like you're close to my age. And I think you're a couple years older. But this is the best roster I've seen. You know, obviously, 2010, I wasn't you know following the team religiously like I do now, but this kind of rivals that talent. I know it was a lot of older talent with the defense, especially back then, but now it's just young upside, and I, I love it. I can't say enough about the talent and the depth on this team. Yeah, I, I can't remember a time in which I felt there was more up and down the board talent on on the on a Jets roster in a long time. So yeah, I would say at least since I've been following the team close enough to look at a roster and follow all the moves and understand the caliber of players that they're bringing in. Cause like when I'm eight or nine, I, I don't know how to break down a roster. I know who's on the team, but I can't, you know, break down tape like I can now. Uh, right. Yeah. I would say that this is the most, the most talented team. Now it doesn't mean it doesn't have its fair share of holes. It doesn't have its fair share of flaws. It doesn't have its, its fair share of question marks that I, you could very easily point to, to say, this is the stuff that could derail a season. But from a talent perspective, yes, it's the most talented team that we've seen in a long time. Uh, breaking news in the AFC East. A oh, wide no. receiver was signed by the Patriots. Former Viking, oh. former Eagle, Jalen Rager. I put out a that tweet saying, should the Jets even look into it? I got kind of roasted. Um, I agree. I wasn't a big fan of Jalen Rager, but he's now going to be in the division. And we'll Going see on the practice year. squad. Going on the practice squad could be uh, Schefter says he could be a candidate to be promoted for the game, so that'll be an interesting. Yeah, thing I'm sure that they'll use some of their elevations that are available on. on they play the Eagles in Week One, so Jalen Rager revenge game incoming. Oh jeez, that'll be a big L for New England. Just, just keep an eye on that. So you did mention it right there. This roster isn't perfect. It's going to have some holes. Obviously, every roster I feel like, except for maybe like the Eagles, has holes, and you can still poke holes in the Eagles roster. My biggest question to you is, is the offensive line still your biggest concern? I know a couple of weeks ago it felt like it was, or is it still the safety position or the linebacker position? Which one do you think is the, the more important <sighs> question mark? What if I told you it's none of those three? If you're going to make me pick something that isn't the offensive line, what if I told that you it's not, safety, it's not safety or it's not linebacker? It's Those two positions still concern me, but you know what position I'm going to say concerns me right now. And it's the wide receiver room. That's the yeah. group that I that I have a ton of concern about. Look, look, I can sit up here and and, and say, without I, I think taking it too far. I don't think it is. I don't think anything I'm about to say here is a stretch. But I can sit up here and say the offensive line is the biggest concern for the New York Jets in 2023 because you have a 39 year old Dwayne Brown, you have Lake and Tomlinson coming off a bad year last year. Elijah Ver Tucker is coming off of an injury, although albeit a triceps injury, but it's still coming off an injury. And Makai Beckton's played one game in the last two years. All of those are objectively true statements about four of your starting five offensive linemen for the New York Jets that would give you cause for concern. Well, guess what? 
You've got a second-year player in Garrett Wilson. You have Alan Lazard, who is, again, more than likely a back-end wide receiver, too, than he is a high-end wide receiver, too, which is now the role he's being asked to play. Nicole Hardman, who's never been able to really find a role for a team, and Randall Cobb, who's getting up there at age, and three unproven potential players in Brownlee, Gibson, and Charles. Everything I just said about those two positions are, are, are I, I think, not leaps in terms of being objective about the situation. The wide receiver group concerns me because even if you can protect up front, Aaron Rodgers has, has, has to have a place to go with the, with the ball. And I'm sorry, we can't sit up here and say that if Garrett Wilson goes down for the New York Jets, that their season is over. That is not, a, that is not an acceptable outcome for the New York Jets. If, if, if they, are, they should not be able to be a Garrett Wilson injury away from their entire offense crumbling in front of them. And yet it kind of feels like that might be this. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like we're past the days of one injury being so cat. Obviously quarterback is the caveat, but one position being such a, a pivotal, you know, part of our season. So like last year it was Brees Hall. Obviously it was also Elijah Vera Tucker, but the offensive line as a whole. Well, but they, it felt injuries like that, every week at that group. Yeah. It just felt like that one position that really broke us was Brees Hall because we mm-hmm. could not do anything from an offensive perspective when he wasn't out there threatening the defense. Um, with that said, I do agree with the wide receiver position being very questionable. I have leaned off the, the offensive line. I've been pretty high on the offensive line. And I know Glenn uh, did a solo video last week talking about the range of outcomes for this offensive line. And I agree. It wouldn't surprise me if they were the 18th best offensive line. And it also wouldn't surprise me if they were the eighth best offensive line. So there's such a range with this offensive line that yes, it is a concern, but I feel way more optimistic now with everybody back healthy than I do this wide receiver core. Because like you said, Alan Lazard is a wide receiver two, low end wide receiver yeah. two. Randall Cobb, you don't want playing an impactful role, but he will. Mecole Hardman, for all they want, you know, they want to develop this guy into a complete receiver, but it's not that easy. You don't just get a guy into camp one season and he's a complete receiver. We saw it. I have a video of Zach Wilson throwing the prettiest pass of almost probably his entire career, one of the top five passes of his whole career in a preseason game to me, Cole Hardman, and the dude dropped it. So like so, that's not that's not fun. <laughs> can you can you throw up Jonathan's comment here? Because it's I, I'm gonna make a very good point at the expense of Jonathan's comment. About sure. about not being locked into our spreadsheet. Now, one thing I want to make very clear: Dylan and I's spreadsheet, mainly Dylan. Dylan did all the work on this. I'm just commandeering it for the sake of the point. This is not exactly the way the depth chart is for the New York oh, Jets no. internally. But I will say this: if Lazard goes down and Randall Cobb is elevated to the wide receiver too, like you say, Jonathan, that is also making the point that I am attempting to make that this wide receiver room is in a bad place. I don't care if it's Brownlee Cobb. Xavier Gibson, I don't care. If Alan Lazard goes down and somebody has to step up, the depth behind Alan Lazard is a concern. The depth behind Garrett Wilson is a concern. Miko Hardman being a wide receiver three is a concern I have for this team. So it's not just looking at the depth chart and saying, oh, if Lazard goes down, you know, Brownlee's going to go in and I'm concerned. I would be concerned if any of the guys that are behind the starters have to go in. That's bad news for the New York Jets. Yeah, I was just going to say, would you really want to see Garrett Wilson and Randall Cobb in your 12 personnel package when you're trying to be, you know, hard smash mouth football, gain that third and two? Do you want Randall Cobb out there? No, not really. Yes, he had the blindside block that was fun until it wasn't with Jihad Ward. But uh, 
it's just no that's not it's this this isn't the bible this spreadsheet that i made is just my dopey blogger coming out and you know not wanting to look at the team website every week so i just update it myself but it doesn't matter take randall cobb's name put it where jason brownlee's name is on your spreadsheet i still have this everything i just said about the wide receiver room i still feel exactly there's no outside of garrett wilson there's no real difference maker to me and that's what's gonna separate this team i feel like this is going to be where you get your biggest improvement mid-season you know even if you do it before the season starts this is where your improvement is going to come you can add an offensive lineman you can add a safety at this point unless you're really swinging for the fences you're not making a marginal improvement on the group wide receiver though you could sign a guy like hunter renfro you could go get Marquise Brown and like those guys would upgrade the room pretty significantly from what you have. Does it inspire a ton of confidence? No, not really. I feel like the only thing at this point that will inspire a ton of confidence in me is one of the big fish like Adams or Evans. If they can pull Chris Godwin somehow, you know, just somebody of that nature would probably make me feel no concern about the room. So it's, it's logical and fair to have plenty of concerns outside of Kara Wilson in this room. 100%. 100% agree. Who, who, by the way, looked fantastic in the Giants game. Yes. Garrett Wilson and Aaron Rodgers is alive and well. Yes. They're in mid-season fantastic. Form. It's fantastic. I'm, I can't wait to see it on Monday Night Football. I'm looking forward to it. But that would be the biggest concern that I would have with this team right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we can get into a little bit of uh, rumors now. Oh, gosh. The, the, this is, how we're, best... is this how we're closing the show? Is this how we're closing yeah. the show? Yeah. We're going we're gonna to keep it a little light this week. Oh. Uh, obviously, like I said, it's a bit of a, a deep breath, cool down period before – we okay. wrap everything up next I, week. You have a big setup for this. I'm going to completely ruin it. Everybody gather, sure. gather around, gather around, <laughs> get closer to your computer, your phone, tablet, however you're listening to this show. I want you to get nice and close. The New York football jets are not on this planet, on the moon, on any other planet in our solar system, in any of those planets. They are not trading for Nick Bosa. Okay. I just want to put that out there. They are not under any circumstance, this planet, the moon, any other planets, trading for Nick Bosa. They're not on this planet, on any other planet, on the moon, trading for Joey Bosa. <laughs> are there any other Bosas? They're not trading for any of them either. None of the Bosas are playing for the New York Jets in 2023. Yep, you stole all the thunder, but it's that's what needed to be said. It's, it's unfortunate, and we can have all the fun we want. I know there were some hypothetical trades that were serious out there on social media. I know there were some that weren't that serious on social media. Well, this is what happened. Report comes out. Bosa's yep. available. Report came out. A- AFB team ready. Unnamed, to, yep. unnamed AFC team ready to make a trade. And everybody just assumes that if you have any connection to San Francisco's defense, you're in. And so with Robert Sala being the former defensive coordinator, everybody just went, oh, that's an easy link. Boom. The Jets are trading for, for Bosa. No, that's not how it works. Why not Houston? Now, now that would, would be fun. Will Anderson and Bosa, you want to talk about expediting a rebuild in a very quick manner, that would be a way to do it if you're in Houston. That would be pretty crazy. I don't know if they have the capital to do it. Um, but that, they don't, don't have they have two first round picks? Oh, they don't have a first anymore. They it's don't have the first anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah that's so what it is. Yeah, that's going to be tough. But, hey, whoever does get Joey Bosa, spoilers, probably going to be the 49ers. They said they've already had the money allocated for Bosa for a long time. So when you factor in a guy that far in advance – yeah, it's not really, you know, they're a little concerned, I guess, that it's not getting done, but they're, they're at where they're at. It's not a matter of 
they didn't plan for this and this is unexpected and Bosa's demands are so egregious that they just can't meet them. They've had the money aside. It'd be great. It'd be wonderful. It would be a dream come true to have Bosa and Quinn and Williams, the two and three pick from the 2019 draft side by side. Sure. That'd be great. But like, am I giving up John Franklin Myers or Jermaine Johnson and two years worth of high draft picks to do it? No, it probably doesn't seem too realistic. So they're not trading him. They exactly. John Lynch came out and said, We are not trading him. Yep. Okay, we're done here. It's it. Close it up. Yeah. I know you could you could post the uh the Josh is our guy meme because very everybody different. loves to do that with two, ver- two very different <laughs> it's situations. It's always a different story. I feel like every it's always case by case. Like just because a guy says they're not gonna trade somebody and this guy wants out doesn't mean he is gonna get traded inevitably. Like there's we saw it with the Jets. They waited so damn long to trade Denzel Mims. They waited pretty long to trade Elijah Moore. Obviously they both ended up getting dealt, but that's not going to happen with a guy like Nick Bosa. That's I'm sorry. It's, That's just it's August 31st. It's about to be September 1st tomorrow. I'm here to tell you. Guess what? Jonathan Taylor didn't get traded. Yep. If you think Jonathan Taylor was going to get traded, he's staying. He's not going anywhere. So yep. Bosa's not going anywhere either. It's too short of a window to be able to get something like that done. And and I did see a lot of uh, people clowning on the Packers for being the team that called about Jonathan Taylor. I don't I, think that. Uh, yeah, and I think that's just the Packers' MO. Anytime there's any player worthy of a look available, free agency trade, whatever, they're going to do their due diligence. And that's well, hold on. all that really you was. Have the perfect, you, have, you, have, you, you are in the perfect situation to be yep. able to make the perfect trade. You can offer back in return to the Indianapolis Colts, a starting running back in the National Football League, to be able to support Anthony Richardson. They could have put Aaron Jones in the deal. Aaron... Aaron Jones would have cost the Indianapolis Colts. And I don't know what the deal was, but let's say they wanted to do Aaron Jones in a pick for Jonathan Taylor and they were going to pay Jonathan Taylor a ton of money, right? From the Packers' perspective, how do you not get that deal done, right? How do you not want to make that deal done? Because now you've got Jonathan Taylor to be the perfect bell cow workhorse running back for your young quarterback in Jordan Love. It's perfect. It's a perfect situation to make your team better, right? And if if you have no problem paying the money because you got a quarterback on a young contract, not paying him Aaron Rodgers' money, you've got that excess money, you want to do that, go right ahead. From the Colts' perspective, you're acquiring Aaron Jones. You have Aaron Jones for the next two seasons. In total, he would have counted $1 million for this year you'd have to pay him and $11 million next year. Over two seasons, $6 million a year to have Aaron Jones be your running back. Guess what? That's below like everybody. That's mm-hmm. in line with what B. John Robinson is making as a rookie. That's what would have cost you to have Aaron Jones for two seasons as a as your running back. And, oh, by the way, you were probably going to get a draft pick in the deal as well. So that would have worked for both sides. Now, again, clearly they didn't get to that point because the rumors were that the, the offers didn't even come close to what Indy was looking for. But I, it makes sense from Green Bay's perspective. If I was in their position and I could put together a trade package like that, I would have gotten it done. I would have tried to get it done 100%. Yeah, I, I don't I know think, why people are clowning on the Packers for doing that. It made it made a ton of sense. Right, right. Uh, I think the overall conclusion I come to with all these draft rumors and like, you know, contracts disputes. You have Chris Jones holding out in Kansas City currently. I just look at it and I'm just like, thank God it's not us. You know, for once, for one off season, nobody drove the wrong way in the Lincoln Tunnel while they were drunk. Nobody did anything excess. You know, wherever in their relationship, we were clean. No disputes. Everything kind of got ironed out. And no, I'm not saying everything's sunshine and rainbows right now in Florham Park. It's just nice to see other teams have to deal with all these disputes. And it's not us. Because for once, the Jets can sit back and say, you know what, our roster is pretty good. We are going to look to upgrade. And Joe Douglas did go to the podium today and talk about upgrading and 
you know, being aggressive. And that's why Aaron Rodgers took the pay cut. But for right now, it's nice to just enjoy that the Jets aren't the 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 topic for bad reasons. Now, I will yeah. say that we can segue the Jets are topics for all reasons, you know, on national media outlets. And it always comes back to the offensive line. And it really annoys me. I think um, I'm not even done listening to the podcast yet, but Joe Caparoso brought it up. Everybody clowns on this offensive line. Look around the division. Everybody's offensive line is kind of bad right now. And then you look on the defensive side. Jets defensive line is better than everybody else's defensive line in the division. So I just feel like for all the negativity surrounding the trenches with the Jets offensively, it's not really being reciprocated throughout the league. And I feel like week one against Buffalo is a really good matchup for the Jets, and they can get after Josh Allen really easily off the edge. I'm not a huge fan of Spencer Brown whatsoever. I think Mitch Morse is kind of mid as a as a center, and that their guard play is okay, but I just I feel like the Jets can really get after it. So do you think that the narrative has gone a little too far about the Jets' offensive line? Well, it, it, it's only gone to this level because they're basically running back the same group from a year ago, right? And that the same group a year ago got hurt, wasn't consistent, didn't play very well. Lincoln Tomlinson's making a lot of money. Dwayne Brown is old. Like Kai Beck. Like all of the storylines about these players that existed in 2022 are still there in 2023. And so mm-hmm. when you are in one hand trading for Aaron Rodgers, giving Q all this money, pushing all in and signing Dalvin Cook, and you're keeping a position that was a negative for you last year, basically intact, it does generate some warning warning signs. But to your point, look around the league. There are almost a majority of teams maybe outside of Philadelphia and like Dallas where you don't have at least one question mark along the offensive line. For the Jets, it's going to be about two things. It's going to be about Mekhi Becton, and it's going to be about the health and strength of the interior of the offensive line. Mekhi Becton's health and Lakin Tomlinson bouncing back are the two keys to this offensive line being good. If they are healthy and they are consistently out there as a group, I think that is going to go a long way towards being able to protect Aaron Rodgers. If if the group that you showed, right, if the group that you showed as the starting five on that depth chart stay that starting five for 17 games this season, I don't think they have a problem. But where it becomes an issue is if Mekhi Becton has to miss a game or two or Lakin Tomlinson doesn't play very well and they want to make a change. Or if they make a change and they go to Joe Tippman and go to a rookie center. It's that little stuff that could one move throughout the course of the season could slowly evaporate the confidence, the the cohesion, the um, consistency that the group will have. If this group plays all 17 games, I don't have a question about it. Exactly. And as far as Dwayne Brown is concerned, like I've said it numerous times, dude was playing with one arm last year. Unless he, you know, is like suffering from something serious, he's going to be on the field. And you can pretty much count on him. Now, is his level of play going to be consistent with the injury? Probably not. And we saw it last year. He really struggled with speed because his outside shoulder, his left shoulder was the one in the brace. So it was very hard to get that, you know, stab on on guys going around him wide. But I'm pretty high on this offensive line. Um, I want to go back a couple months to when we did our positional rankings in the division and... I got to tell on myself a little bit. I had the Jets as the fourth best offensive line in the division. Uh, You did as well, but I think I need to readjust that a little bit. And I feel like they could be as high as two right now when I'm looking at it, because I feel like I gave Buffalo too much credit and put them one just because they're the division winners and they have a a good roster. But I just, I feel like Patriots at, 
at two and Dolphins at three, I definitely need to rethink my my offensive line rankings. I'd probably put them at three, if not two. Do you think that's pretty fair? I think the emergence of a healthy Mackay Becton and us staring mm-hmm. down a week one right. in which he's going to be the starting right tackle changes the way I feel about this group. When I did my rankings personally, and those carried over into the rankings that we did in the summer, I needed to see it from Mackay. He got hurt mm-hmm. in training camp last year. And all of the goodwill that we had and all the excitement that we had about him playing, you know, us Jets fans know this. He's never played in front of home fans. It's, ne- it's never happened. Yep. Like, his his rookie season was during COVID. He played in one game in 2021, and it was a road game. 2022, he didn't play at all. Like, we know this. But, like, I had somebody reach out to me and be like, is it true that he's never played a home game? And I said, well, no, he's played a home game, but he's never played in front of a home crowd. Mm-hmm. And so, like... That's the big question mark with Makai Becton is, can he be healthy enough to play these games? Well, now it feels like he's checking that box. That changes the equation. It changes it in a big way. AVT being healthy changes things in a big way. So, yeah, I think there's there's room to to go back and maybe move in a spot or two. But it's going to be the thing that I think that, that and the wide receiver group, how healthy can those two groups stay? Uh, if those two groups can stay healthy, I have some confidence. If they start to, to have guys miss extended periods of time, I'm talking two, three, four, five, six games, then I think you start to get really concerned about the way those groups are, are situated. Yeah, and uh, Makai Becton was the X factor in those rankings that probably kept us both at four, and that's understandable. You haven't seen it, but his resurgence this summer definitely warrants a bit of an upgrade. Going to the wide receiver position, I'm looking. I had the Jets at third in the division. I would like and, to move them. I would like to move them. you had the Jets at two. I would like so to I was move wondering, them. You would like to move them in the I'd like wrong to move them direction. down. I'd like yeah. to move them down, please. And and what my reasoning was, I just felt like Gabe Davis was better than Alan Lazard. And obviously, Alan Lazard and Corey Davis gives you both. Now you don't have them, and now I feel like the Jets have to be at three. So yeah. I was a little a little high on the Bills coming into that whole uh, thing that we did, but. I feel like now it makes sense with Corey Davis gone, Al Lazard boosted up, Randall Cobb boosted up. And I see in the comments, uh, Jonathan says again that he's he's not Brownlee. And we're not saying he's Brownlee at all. Um, but you just you can't be overly confident in the group. So I think three is pretty fair for these guys. Um, any any last thoughts before we get on out of here about at the 40 minute mark? Any last comments on the, the roster or anything before we head into this week? I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. This isn't done. This 53 is not complete. Nope. There's going to be some tinkering. They're going to look to add. They're going to look to make moves. Um, I, I think this is an initial 53. I think you're going to see some teams try. I mean, Nelson Aguilar joined the Patriots while we were doing the show, right? Like these things are going Rager. to change here. I'm sorry, Jalen Rager um, changed. Move to a new team. Like these things change mm-hmm. on a dime over the next 24, 48 hours. Guys are going to move all over the place. So there's going to be a lot of movement. Uh, here for this roster, and you, you got to think Joe Douglas is working the phones and trying to, to to find some additions where he can. So I'll be intrigued to see what other moves get made, and if not, next week we move one week closer to the start of the season. So looking forward to it. Absolutely, and I did want to mention this real quick before we get out of here. Usually the Jets have a lot of players claimed by other teams. This year, not so much the case. Uh, two players were claimed by other teams. That would be center Tristan Colon by the Cardinals and Claude and Cherilis by the Panthers. Obviously, we know Zonovan Knight is elsewhere, but he was released. It wasn't a, a waiver and a claim pickup. So interesting that the Jets didn't have as many players as we all thought claimed by other uh, teams. But like we, like we said, the roster is still very solid. And right now, there's not too, too much you can poke holes in. We'll get into it over the next 10 days 
next week we'll be back previewing the Buffalo Bills game. We're going to see exactly the format we're going to run with this season. We might have Glenn back, uh, do a nice little three-person roundtable entering week one, which would be great. Our anniversary of joining YouTube and being Jet Nation Live is next week, entering week one. So very exciting times. We appreciate everybody's support, everybody in the chat, everybody that views. For Chris Schubert, you can follow him on X at Chris Schubert underscore. You can follow me on X at D Terman. So you can follow Glenn. So dumb. so dumb. You can follow Glenn at JN Radio underscore Glenn. That's Glenn oh, you gotta you gotta change the bottom. You gotta change the bottom. It says follow at Jet Nation on Twitter. You gotta it, change it that. You gotta it, say X. You're gonna get yourself yeah. in trouble. Be careful. It's gonna be so ugly. It's so funny when I get the notification that somebody re reposts. It's, it's not a retweet anymore. It's a repost. I know, but it says on the notification retweeted by him. Like, ah, gotcha. You didn't cover all your bases. Come on now. If you're going to be X, just be X all over the place, right? All right. We'll get, we'll get out of there on that note. Uh, we appreciate everybody again. And until next week, let's go Jets.